Blog Talk Radio. Challenging, thought-provoking, insightful. This is God in Country, the collision of faith and politics. Hosted by nationally known speaker, Reverend Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Not your typical Rev. Dr. Sean is a proud military veteran, former law enforcement officer, and founder of the internationally regarded executive protection team. Through counseling, elite life coaching, and national speaking, this ninja pastor tells it like it is. This series is biblically and politically engaged with the pedal to the metal. With today's edition of God in Country, here is host and author of the acclaimed yet controversial book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America, Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Glad to have you here today. It's a solemn day. I don't know how many of you know. Some of you might have been away from technology today, and you might not know that uh, we've had a, a an important death in this nation. Uh, one of the most important deaths over the past, I would say, 30 days. But really, farther than that, farther back than that. Oh, by the way, I should probably tell you, you're listening to The Collision of Faith and Politics. I'm Dr. Sean, the Ninja Pastor. This is absolutely the fastest two hours in radio. I used to say fastest hour, but it's two hours now, so we are, we're excited to have you. Thank you for joining us. Text your friends. We have a great show for you today, a lot of information. Look, facts to help you decide what is the most important thing to know regarding the, the Baltimore riots, who are the real players, what's their true connection, what's their true agenda. What if their agenda isn't to bring about racial equality? How do the events in Baltimore impact you? know, And look, this we're talking Baltimore, but really today it became ever more important. Uh, New York City, Garland, Texas, Philadelphia. How do these events in Baltimore, Philadelphia, New York City, Texas, how do they, how do they impact the coming 2016 election? They do. Sounds crazy, I know. But they do. How do they affect you in your daily life? You know, we've got a guy, uh, the new Black Panther Party head, is quoted as saying, we are willing to kill for a black nation. Is he going to be arrested? Or is, he, is he exercising free speech? You think you should be? I'm telling you, you need to make some decisions. You need to make some decisions. You see, I think it matters. I think all this stuff matters. I think it matters tremendously. And I think it's all linked. I think a lot of you do, too. I do. I think a lot of you do. What in the world is Hillary? Oh, I said her first name. If I say her first name. But what in the world does Hillary 
have to do with the riots in Baltimore? Can you tell me how should you prepare for when the inevitable riots come to your town? Because they're coming. They're coming, folks. They're coming. How should you prepare? What should you prepare for? By the way, the chat room is open. Thank you for reminding me. What are the biggest elements of your preparation? Because, look, I'm going to tell you, if you're not preparing, you're going to be a victim. You're going to be a statistic. Everything has changed. I'm not talking a bunch of hyperbole here either, just so you know. This is real. I'll tell you this. One of the biggest elements of your preparation, it just has to be mental toughness. Your internal dialogue. You know, I'm going to have some guests on the show. Uh, Retired Navy SEAL Senior Chief Tom Shea, author of an incredible book called Unbreakable. And his wife, Stacey Shea, amazing patriot in and of herself, Spartan wife. They wrote an incredible book. And I talk about it in my book. I talk about it. They talk about it in their book. And you've heard it elsewhere. But I think his book really puts it well. You know, internal dialogue drives human performance. It's that, it's that self-talk that no, nobody but you hears, or so you thought. Because, listen, you may not be using words, but people hear you. That's bottom line. Uh, look, I'm not talking about becoming a positive thinker. You know, I just said something about the self-talk nobody hears but you, but, you know, it's, it's evidence on the outside. You know what I'm saying? Evidence, what you think even though you don't say it, it's evidence on the outside of your body. And people around you notice. Like I said, I I don't mean just becoming a positive thinker. I'm positive I'm going to get through this riot. Yes, I'm positive they're throwing Molotov cocktails and rocks and the police aren't coming, they're running away. Uh, let me ask you this. Here's a, here's a good question. What do you think your police department, how how would they respond to what went on in Baltimore? Let's say you live in a small town. What what happens then? Let's say you have a small police department in your town. What happens? Look, if they don't have a plan, you better have a plan. And even if they have a plan, you better have a better plan. I, I'm going to tell you this. Exclusively positive thinking, I'm using air quotes, it's going to get you, and it's going to get your family killed. No kidding. Straight up real. It's going to get you, and it's going to get your family killed. Hey, listen, thank you for telling your friends. I'm, I'm hearing a lot from people. Uh, they're telling me about how they're, they're telling other people about the show. Last week, we we have a caller from South Africa. I had a great conversation with him. Andrew, uh, this past week, long conversation on the telephone. Great guy. Really great guy. Very intelligent. We're going to have him on an upcoming show. 
uh, and he, we're going to talk about uh, some really powerful things. But you're also going to hear the truth from right there where it's happening, what's really going on in South Africa. You think it doesn't make a difference, but I'm going to tell you it really does. What's going on there does, it does make a difference. You say South Africa is halfway around the world from here. What in the world could it have to do, you know, with us? We're here in the United States, and that's South Africa. It's a whole different place. You'd be surprised. And we're going to talk about that. But, yeah, I appreciate you guys telling your friends. I mean, social media pretty powerful thing I and mean, when you share it on Twitter and Facebook and LinkedIn and all this stuff and you send it to your email list and you tell your friends at church and, and all of that it's a big difference it's a big difference look let me say this power and governance are not the same power and control not the same and it's time we start calling things what they really are and nothing changes Really, until we change our mindset. I don't know. I don't remember. Did I tell you the chat room is open? Chat room is open. Phone lines are open, too. Here's the phone number. 646-595-4641. Hey, here's some news for you to plan for. I do know uh, best-selling author, Fox News contributor, CNN expert, um, really powerful, uh, very you know globally well-known public speaker, Eric Stackelbeck, he'll be on my show uh, May 18th. Thank you to Philly Bob for working all that out. We made that made that connection, finalized that link today. So we're going to be hearing more about it. Uh, we're real, real excited about it. Real, real excited about it. But I told you uh, one of the most important deaths. I'm just going to tell you way more important than Freddie Gray. We're going to talk about Freddie Gray. We're going to give you some truth today. You've been wanting to know the truth about what really went down in Baltimore and what's really going down now. You're going to hear it today. Facts, not conjecture, not hyperbole. Facts. But New York Police Department five-year veteran officer Brian Moore died Monday after his distraught family removed him from life support, law enforcement sources said. His murderer, Demetrius Blackwell. That's his name. Black guy. Brian Moore is a white guy. But he's a cop, so he's blue. Blue lives matter. A grim-faced police commissioner, Bill Bratton, was seen entering the hospital around 12.30 p.m. Moore's relatives, including the retired police officer, Dad Raymond, and his mother, Irene, they were at at their son's bedside. He was only 25 years old. Brian Moore. He was gunned down by a violent ex-con after the officer and his partner stopped the man as he suspiciously fiddled with an object in his waistband on a Queens Street, Queens, New York, Saturday evening. NYPD officer Brian Moore, 25 years old, asked Demetrius Blackwell, who's 35 years old, do you have anything in your waist? Do you have something in your waist? Unfortunately, he was sitting behind the wheel of a of the police officers on my car. I tell you, I travel around the country. One of the things I talk about is, is personal safety, professional safety. 
And I get to talk to a lot of police officers. I do uh, private, very exclusive seminars, officer safety seminars, teaching them how to survive despite what their their agency might have taught them. And one of the th- one of the things I teach them is, listen, my my field training officer was amazing. And one of the things Teddy said to me, he said, don't ever have a conversation with somebody you drive up on. Get out of the car. Get out of the car. I'm not saying it's this guy's fault, but, man, that's a big thing. You just can't have a conversation from behind the wheel of your car. Well, Blackwell answered, yeah, I got something. He snarled back at him. And then he shot him. Shot Brian Moore dead. Shot him right in the head. America, can you tell me why, other than conservative social media, why this isn't front page news? Why isn't this all over television? Why is that? Why is that? You look, I know the reason. You know the reason. You're sitting there bobbing your head. I know you are. I'm looking. I can see just how many listeners. With this number of listeners, I can tell you. I know there's a lot of bobbing heads. You know the reason. But you're afraid to say what the reason is because you know what? You think just by saying it, you kind of look like a whiner. You sound like a whiner. You're afraid to even say it because by defending yourself, you know, it's kind of like the question, when did you when did you stop beating your wife? Well, I never bet. I, I didn't stop. Oh, you're still beating her. You know, you know how the whole thing goes. Racism is a thing, you know, the more you defend yourself, the more you sound like a racist, according to the racist. That's what they tell you. They affirm for you. What's going on in the back of your head? You really want to say something. You really want to tell it like it is, but you know what? You don't. Because they've convinced you. They have convinced you. Yep, this is what's going on. You're defending yourself. You're a racist. Yep, sure are. You're a racist. By the way, go to our uh, go to our Facebook page. There's a lot of things on there. Uh, Sean S E A N, my good buddy, good friend. Uh, he manages that. He built it. He manages it. The God and Country Radio Show page. He's already put a bunch of really awesome links on there. I don't know how he does it. I really don't. There's a lot of stuff on there. Uh, it's just Facebook.com backslash God and Country Radio. You go there. There's a sign-up button almost right underneath my left leg. You click on that sign-up button, and that'll take you right to where you you can subscribe to this show. It's very helpful to me if while you're there on the Facebook page, you click on like. I'd really appreciate that. And it's also very helpful to me if you go ahead and click on that sign-up. We're not going to send you a bunch of crazy stuff, but it is very important to the longevity of the show. We've got to show numbers and Unfortunately, that's one of the numbers we have to show. Plus, it makes it easier on you. you. You don't have to remember anything. I know the reason. I know the reason it's not all over mainstream television. I know the reason why it's not 
being trumpeted, except on conservative, you know, conservative outlets and on Facebook and all that, being driven by conservatives. I'll tell you the the reason. I'm not afraid to say it because I don't care if I'm called a racist. It doesn't matter to me. I have enough great black friends that would stand in front of me, in front of any any group that wanted to claim I was a racist. They'd stand in front of me. They wouldn't be behind me. They'd be in front of me because they know I'm not. I know the reason. It's racism. And I know this. I'm not the racist. I know you're not the racist. You know what I'm saying? I'm not the racist. I know that for a fact. I know me. <laughs> I know me. I don't have to. Who do I have to ask? I know most of you that are listening to this. You know, conservatives are always lumped in. They're always lumped in. Conservatives, you know, especially if you're white, and you say, what do you mean? Why do you need that disclaimer? or that delineator, you know what? There's lots of black conservatives. I have a buddy, Kevin Jackson. We're in a think tank together. Conservative black guy. David Webb, conservative black guy. I I, I could go on. I mean, I have a whole list of people. Emika Igwe, great attorney. Staunch conservative. Emika's going to be on the show as soon as we can get them on, you talk about a, a story. You talk about it. A, a, look, inner city, I don't think anybody in the inner city is listening right now, inner city of Baltimore. You want to hear You want to hear how you could do it if you really want to do it? He's the guy. He's the guy. He'll tell you how. I have another friend, my son's friend, Gerald. I'd love to have him on the show. He's a young man, about to finish his sophomore year of college, Stevenson College. He's an interesting kid. His family's an interesting family. They're an amazing family. I'd like to have him on the show. What makes it different for you? You know, all over the news right now, it's Ben Carson said he, uh, Dr. Ben Carson retired. What's considered, he's considered, widely considered to be one of the best uh, neurosurgeons, pediatric neurosurgeons in the world. I have a good friend of mine who is one of his patients, been his patient for 13, 14 years. He has my book, actually. I have a picture of him with my book. Kind of a cool thing. Really cool thing, actually. But do you know the story? You know all about, you know, the black community knows all about the athletes that make the NFL. They know all about them. You hear all about the uh, the, the NBA. You hear about all the, you get locked up and all that stuff. There's, there's several in the NBA that are sharp people. The NFL, good, 
Good people doing good things. Ray Lewis, you know, you talk about a story. Look at Ray Lewis's story. He almost went down for murder. He talks about it in his interviews. He talks about how he turned his life around. He went back to the basics, his faith, stability of life, things that make a person stable and the things that make a person unstable. in the black community. You say you want to save the country. You say you want to be part of it. You tell me that. I talk to thousands of people. I get, I don't know, last week I think I got 11,000 emails after Monday's show. 11, like uh, 10,452, something like that. 10,000, almost 10,5, I guess it was. And a lot of them are people saying, look, I don't know how to help save the country. I don't know if I have what it takes. I, I don't know. I really don't know. I'm I'm just I'm going to say this. There, look, there's some tough questions that need to be asked of yourself. You, look, you, nobody else can answer these questions for you. Nobody else can. Would you really like to know how to save this country? You you've got to ask yourself these tough questions. Do I really have? what it takes to help save this country. Do I really have it? Or am I talking a bunch of smack? Do I really want to save the country? Or am I one of those people that talks a bunch of smack because it sounds good? Oh, yeah, I'm so sorry what's happened to this country. It just isn't right. But when it comes to doing what it takes, crickets. Here's another question. I asked it last week. I'll ask it again. Have you given up already? Did you? Only you know the answer. I can ask you, and I can look at your face, and I can tell whether you're lying or you're telling the truth, but only have you given up already? Here, here's, here's the ultimate question. Am I worth the blood and treasure already sacrificed for liberty and freedom? Am I worth the acres of crosses in Arlington, Virginia, and in towns all across America? Am I worth the crying gold star families who every day wake up with the knowledge, my child's not coming home. My husband, my wife, my uncle, they're not coming home. They're not coming home. They went because we sent them And they got killed. Let me tell you, most deaths, most military deaths, can be prevented. You say, come on. They can be. Same as police death. You know, police officers, if you look at those, they don't have to die. 
policy. It's rules of engagement. It's generally mistakes. It's very rarely ever not preventable. As a guy who has studied thousands of police deaths, all the data, all the reports, supplemental reports, eyewitness testimony, I've watched the film and assessed how it happened, why did it happen. Almost all of them are preventable. But you know what? What what causes a lot of military deaths is rules of engagement, really to a great degree. That's also what causes deaths in law enforcement. Rules of engagement. You can't do this. You can't do that. You know what sets rules of engagement a lot of times? Litigation. Police officers getting sued. There's a lot of people out there, I'm sure, talking about, well, it's, it's, I'll tell you what it is. It's, it's the Constitution. you got to obey the Constitution. That's what we want. There's one problem with that. That's not what it is. It's lawsuits. Litigation. It drives training of police officers. It drives equipping of police officers. Right down to what kind of gun they carry. What kind of, what kind of round is in the chamber, whether it's in the chamber or not. You know, there's police officers all around the country that in order to engage a bad guy, they have to chamber around. That's ridiculous. The average gunfight, the average violent and deadly encounter is over in 1.67 seconds from start to finish. You don't have time. You know, I know that the holsters and the, the pound, usually it's about 12 and a half pounds. The trigger pull, about 12 and a half pounds. It's like pulling 12 and a half pounds with your finger. Why is it so heavy? Because they want to be able to testify. Law enforcement uh, administration and the legal beagles from the entity that, the, you know, state police, county police, town police, city police, they, they want the legal bills to say, look, it's, it helps us. It helps us when it is thank you for these messages. A lot of folks have sent me some su- such nice messages today. Really, really, really. It's awesome. Thank you. Very encouraging. A lot of people are flooding blowing up the message thing with the, I'm ready, I'm ready to learn. I'm glad you said that because I'm going to give you a way to do it in your town. We we can we can make that happen. You say you want to do something, you say, look, I'm going to make it happen. But back to the trigger, you know, down to the trigger. You know, there's actual police departments in this country that have stayed with a revolver type of gun and only has... No, between six and eight rounds. I have a 357 revolver that's actually eight rounds. It's an amazing gun, custom gun. But for the most part, it's only it's only six rounds. And they're staying with that because they don't get sued as readily. There's police departments all across this country that are now saying, you know, we need to limit the amount of rounds our officers carry. So we're we can't get uh we can't get the manufacturer to make for us 
magazines for our current guns that carry fewer rounds. So we had a company manufacture a block that you insert first, and then you insert the rounds. So it reduces your rounds, you know, by whatever, whatever they, whatever these these absolute idiot liberals come up with as the the best to have, even though they've never been in a gunfight. They've never faced the bad guy. But they're going to tell you. They're going to tell you what the deal is. You know, you got to have this number of rounds. Seven rounds, that's all you need. It's too many. Seven's too many. Let's do five. Tell you what, let's do one. Let's put it in your pocket like Barney Fife. So when something happens, you know, so you don't just go around shooting people. You just reach in your pocket. It's probably all you need, right? Well, you're police officers. You're trained. Shoot the gun right out of their hand. Shoot down the barrel so their gun won't work. Idiocy. That's why they die. They die because, you know, there's so many political considerations with the bullet-resistant armor that they wear. There's so many considerations. You know, it's better to be worn on the outside in a sort of a tactical vest. Well, that looks too military. It looks too like an inciting, inciting of violence. Like camera, camera crews, they incite violence. That's what the, what a uh, Baltimore representative said. They incite violence. That's what they do. So we don't, we don't want the cameras on. We wanted them on before, but we don't want them on now. The way the cars are equipped, the way the shotguns are stored. If if even there's still there's still police departments in the United States that will not allow their patrol officers to have a shotgun ready to go. Every single police officer, you, you know, and there's a lot of people out there that are saying, look, the police are far too military as it is. Uh, I would agree and disagree. And we're going to do a whole show on that. I don't want to get into it right now, but I think every officer should should be trained on and carry an AR-15 or an M4. Or a P-90 or a PS-90, something along those lines. Some little some little carbine that shoots at least a two two three round with lots and lots of rounds. Hey, I want to thank all the uh, warfighters, Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, Coast Guard, Sheepdogs, Uniformed, and Clandestine Services. I, I want to I want to tell you I appreciate. I really do. I appreciate you standing on the line for us today and every day throughout the night, no matter the weather, no matter the political conditions, no matter how much our government hamstrings you. I want to say a special thank you and a, a hello to the United States Marines, especially one sergeant in particular deployed from the Tidewater area of Virginia. We'll say hello to the Army Rangers and Ranger instructors in Fort Benning, Georgia. Rangers lead the way. Got a buddy of mine's a ranger halfway across the halfway across the world. He's uh he's leading men. High character leadership is what that is. One of these days I might get him on the show. He'd have to go by a pseudonym, though. He'd lose his job. I just want you to know, listen, while I'm at, 
while I'm at the microphone, I'm not going to allow our country to forget about you. I'm not. Not going to do it. Gold Star families, you're always in my heart. You're always in my mind. People all across America, look around your town. Find out who's lost a parent, who's lost a spouse, who's lost uncles, aunts, best friends. Pray for them, but do more than that. Look for opportunities to serve them and with them. They're real, they're real heroes, folks, and they're right in your hometown. They deserve for you to step out and step up and help serve them. That's reality. That is reality. If not you, who? Who's going to who's going to do it? The government? Come on. You know better than that. You've learned enough by now. I conducted an interview with uh, my representative today for for uh, some of the homework for Center for Self-Governance. Center for Self-Governance. I'm going to tell you how to. I know on the Facebook page, Sean has it already on there, um, how to get plugged in with them. I can help you. Reach out to me. I'll, I'll be glad. Ding, ding, ding. Reach out. Uh, I'll help you get connected, get involved, get you prepared. But the Center for Self-Governance, level, level one, part of the homework is to interview one of your representatives. I specifically chose a Democrat. Considered widely to be someone who's easily identified as being liberal. But I have to say, I enjoyed the interview. He was very respectful. I have to believe he Googled me before he consented to be interviewed. And and uh, I asked him, you know, five questions with maybe six sub-questions, follow-up questions. He was very honest. And one of the things he said, I said, what, are, what's, what, what do you hate about politics? What are you surprised about? And he said, the politics of it. He said, I'm in politics, but I'm not a politician. He said, I hate the politics. The political bullcrap. He didn't say bullcrap. I, I, that's my editing. Uh, but the political stuff. He, he doesn't like it. He said it takes too long to get stuff done. Now look, as long as it's constitutional stuff, I'm good with that. I'm good with that. I want to streamline some things. I want to make things go smoother. Look, I'm not talking about rubber stamping Obama's agenda or, or, or AG Loretta Lynch's agenda. I'm not talking about that at all. I am talking about governance. But you know what? It, the government, isn't, isn't where it comes from. It's not where it comes from. Centerforselfgovernance.com. All you do is just go to www.centerforselfgovernance.com. If you're on the Facebook page, Sean has a link right there. Click on that and take it right there. We can do classes where you live, right where you stay at. Uh, Center for Self-Governance, Mark Herr, has done classes in Ferguson, Missouri. 
one of the ladies that was burned out of her business by her supposed customers and friends, she's she's soaking up self-governance, folks. She's soaking it up. Look, we can't keep the republic. That's what we are. We're not a democracy. Don't let anybody tell you that. We're a republic. If we don't keep... I'm just... Look... I don't know how I don't know how any other way to say it. I, I'm trying to figure out a way to say it to you, but I wish there was another way, but there's not. Our founders clearly detailed that we the people would keep our republic only if we participate in our governance. But look, there's something you have to do. You have to do it. Self governance requires education. Here it is. Centerforselfgovernance.com. Participation. You gotta go to the classes. They're fun. I'm telling you right now, they're fun, and and they're enlightening. They're amazing. You've got to make some sacrifices. It's going to cost you a little bit. I think the first class is $50. I did it twice. It was that good. I did it twice. Paid twice. Determination. You, look, you have to decide something. You have to resolve And then you have to stand. You have to have the belief that you can make a difference. Look, if you've given up, if you're that person up there that I said, are you worth the blood and treasure already sacrificed for liberty and freedom? Are you worth the acres of crosses in Arlington and and, and in other cemeteries all across America? Are you worth that sacrifice? The answer to that, if you're not willing to do this, centerforselfgovernance.com, if you're not willing to do it, you're not worth it. Well, Dr. Sean, you're very, that's very harsh. It's harsh. Can't believe you're saying that. That's harsh. It's so harsh. I don't care if you think it's harsh. It's true. You want to be a keeper of the Republic or not? You can join me. I'm going to do, uh, I'm going to do another class. We're going to have Mark Herr and, and some of the other great teachers. Mark is, is probably one of the best teachers I've ever had and just an all around great guy. I count him as a good friend. It, the time will fly. The time will fly. I can have you get a hold of me if you're in the tri-state area here, Delaware, Maryland, Pennsylvania, really New Jersey, so four-state area, Delaware, Maryland, Pennsylvania, New Jersey. Come on, get a hold of me. We'll have a class. Look, I, I'll get, I'll put them in front of 150 people if you want. We'll do it. And I, you know what I'll do? I'll buy lunch. I'll buy you lunch. You come, I'll buy you lunch. I said it before. I'll say it again. Facebook posts, Twitter tweets, all that mess. It's not going to save us. It's not going to save the Republic. Are you willing? Are you? Write this email down. Flood her email inbox. M. Perkins. M is in Michelle Perkins, M Perkins at TNCSG.org. Go over there to centerforselfgovernance.com. I'm telling you, powerful stuff, life changing. Seriously, truly and completely life changing. You say you want to do it. Here's your chance. Here's your chance.
Eight hours, people. Come on. Don't disappoint me. Don't let me down. We'll set up a class. We could do one in June. I have a lot of dates that I'm occupied in June. I got important stuff to do. End of end of May, I've got some important stuff to do, and uh, over Memorial Day weekend, I've got important stuff to do. But there's other dates. We get a class together, we can get Mark here. We'll fly him in. The dude hasn't been home. You want to talk about sacrifice, folks? The dude has not been home for two years. He's literally not home, has not been home for two years. He's a good guy. And all these people, Michelle and Kurt and all these people that are behind this, they're powerful people. They're not powerful in the sense of, you know, uh, controlling and using their power and abusing their power. I mean in the sense of you're around them, you know you're around some powerful, good people. People are making a, a radical difference. That's some serious stuff. Listen, we're going to have a quick commercial. You want to write some stuff down. The important number to remember is 20630. But quick commercial, when we come back, I'm going to I'm gonna give you some information you just won't believe. Seriously, you won't believe. It's all been vetted. It's all been super verified by my super crack uh, researcher. And you won't believe it. What's really going on in Baltimore. Then if we have time, we're going to talk about Loretta Lynch. The information I didn't get to last week and how Hillary Clinton is involved in all this. It's worth it. Listen to this commercial. Let me know what you think. Hey, listeners, let me tell you something really quick. Listen, if you own a gun, not even if you carry a gun, not even if you have a concealed carry permit, but if you own a gun, you need to listen up. You need to get a pen, you need to get paper, something. You need to click into your notes in your smartphone and and take this number down. First of all, the first number is 20630. Don't worry, I'll repeat it. 20630. Listen, you have the right to defend yourself and your loved ones and your home. All of that stuff is true. You know it is. But the moment you pull the trigger or pull your gun, you are at risk for devastating legal and financial consequences. You know, you can be arrested. You can be jailed. You can be sued. You can be fired. You can be bankrupted. Even when you've legally and justifiably used a gun in self-defense. Listen, you don't have to let this happen to you. Just call Second Call Defense. That number you want is 20630. Listen, it's going to get you a whole month free. 20630. I'll give you the number in a second. You're going to enjoy, listen, when you become a member, you're going to enjoy peace of mind of having immediate and comprehensive legal and financial protection at your fingertips the moment you pull your gun, the moment you pull the trigger, no matter where you are in the United States. You just make two calls. Your first call should always be to 911 to request an ambulance and law enforcement. And listen, we'll tell you exactly what to do, what to say, how to say it. Your second call should be to second call defense. Listen, we've got your back. It's complete legal protection for armed self-defense, and it is fully endorsed by the NRA. It's fully backed by the NRA insurance program. Folks, you've got to have this coverage. I have the Cadillac protection, which is the ultimate coverage, and I'm telling you, it is phenomenal. People say, well, I've got homeowner's coverage. That'll protect me. I've got an umbrella policy, civil liability policy. No, no, it won't. In fact, it's specifically excluded. You say, well, I'll get a a public defender. They'll keep me out of jail. No, they won't. First of all, usually public defenders are from liberal colleges and liberal law schools. They hate guns. They hate people that carry guns. And they're, they don't understand uh, lethal force to start with. 
They're overworked. They're underpaid. Is that what you want to bet your freedom on? Is that what you want to bet your financial future on? That? Are you kidding me? 877-502-3300. Secondcalldefense.org. You want to give them this number, 20630. That's the Ninja Pastor's number. You give them that, they're going to give you a free month. Go to God and Country Facebook page. Uh, it's facebook.com backslash God and Country Radio. Uh, there's a place where you can sign up. You, you know, sign up by the means of putting in your information for the show uh, to follow the show. But there's links on there. Once you do that or on that page, there's a link there. And that will show you exactly where to go. You click on that link, go, get all kinds of information. There are no contracts. You're not locked in. And once you get your money back, your free uh, month back, they never come back and take it back. This is the best coverage out there. Trust me. I've researched it all. Join today. Hey, welcome back. That was worth hearing. So data shows, look, I'm going to get back to Loretta Lynch stuff from last week. Who betrayed us? Who betrayed us? And, and I'm going to say who betrayed us as Republicans. Who, who I don't, look, the Democrats, the liberals, they're not betraying me. They're not betraying me because I know. I know what to expect. I know what to expect. But the Republicans, man, oof, that's brutal. We're starting to not uh, be surprised, sadly. All right, so data shows that 80% of Maryland's incarcerated males come from Freddie Gray's district. I'm going to say that again because I'm not sure you heard it. This is evidence. This is substantiated in multiple places, corroborated multiple ways. 80% of Maryland's, not Baltimore's incarcerated males, Maryland's, the whole state, come from Freddie Gray's district. Now, you might say, well, that in and of itself is is pretty powerful, and gosh, I don't like the sound of that, but, you know, it's a tough place, apparently. He had a, he grew up in the hood. He had, you know, that's a rough place. Of Well, I mean, I don't think it's 80%, but wow, that's a lot. It's a big number, but. I don't know, 80% from Maryland. The whole state of Maryland, you say. 80%. Aichi Wawa, it's true. 80% of Maryland's incarcerated. Incarcerated simply means locked up in jail, in the penitentiary, in the prison system. 80% of all of Maryland, the the Commonwealth of Maryland, of males in prison come from Freddie Gray's district. I kid you not. I kid you not. When I read that, and when I heard that, and I corroborated that, my jaw dropped. 
Honest to goodness, I couldn't believe it. I, pfft, you gotta be kidding me. I was, I was. First of all, let me say this: it, that's egregious. In of itself, if I don't tell you any other information today in the hour and nine minutes we have left, if I don't tell you anything else, that by itself, you want to look at the people in charge, all the way from the mayor, all the way down to the chief of police, most of the the police groups, you know, the committees, the the leaders, all that stuff, they're all black. And they've all been black. Black, liberal, Democrat. For decades. In and of that, I mean, let's not say anything more. Let's just say that is, that's it. We just say that. I won't say anything more. 80% of Maryland's incarcerated males come from Freddie Gray's district. Where this guy that died while in, and he didn't die while in police custody. I, I keep wanting to say that. He didn't die while in police custody. And and from all evidence, he didn't die as a result of a beating from police. We'll get into that. The thing that is amazing to me, and, and it is amazing, you're going to, first of all, I do not sue me over baldness that you're going to experience from either pulling your hair out or scratching your head during this show. Uh, I, I'm not responsible for that, but I'm going to tell you things that you're just you're going to you're going to you're going to go. I, the word I love to use is apoplectic. My super top chief number numero uno researcher reminded me of something. This is this is something I talked about last week. The cops that work in the district. We're not talking about the whole Baltimore. We're talking about the district, just the district that Freddie Gray comes from. The cops that work in that district work in the most dangerous district, in the most dangerous place in Baltimore. Quite frankly, the most dangerous place in Maryland. That's where they work. you get that? Do you get that? And yet somehow or another, we, we just keep heaping more on them and more on the police officers. Anyway, here's, here's a really big thing. Oh, I started to do a disclaimer, a legal disclaimer, because I don't want to get, you know, don't don't y'all sue me because you pull your hair out or you scratch your head or whatever it is you do when you just can't believe, when you go apoplectic, rub your your index finger on your uh, on your thumb until it bleeds. Don't 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 come after me, y'all. I'm just delivering you the facts. I just said data shows that 80% of Maryland's, the whole state of Maryland's incarcerated males come from not just Baltimore, 
not the, the, the town, the city of Baltimore, but from specifically from Eddie Gray's district, the, the most dangerous, inarguably, the most dangerous place in Maryland, the most dangerous place for police officers to work in Maryland. This is Nick Mosby's district. <laughs> I can hear, I can hear it out there. I can hear you out there going, "Well, so what, dude? That was a big build-up for nothing. I'm, you left me hanging here." Who is Nick Mosby? Well, he's Marilyn Mosby's husband. Well, who is Marilyn Mosby? She's the state attorney who filed charges against the six police officers without taking the case to a grand jury first. She's the one who said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to usurp all of legal reason, legal practice. I'm going right to charging them. I don't have all the facts. I'm going to say that he died as a result of homicide. Listen, they weren't charged with homicide, by the way. Let's clear that up. The officers, none of the officers were charged with killing him. Nick Bosby is the husband of Marilyn Mosby. He's a councilman in that district, Freddie Gray's district where 80% of Maryland's incarcerated males come from, the whole state of Maryland. Nick Mosby, he's the black liberal husband of Marilyn Mosby, the very woman who filed the charges against the six police officers without taking it to a grand jury. Hey, make no mistake about it, Marilyn Mosby and Nick Mosby, rock star. They are a rock star black couple, let me tell you. They met at... uh, while in college at a traditional black university, Tuskegee, Tuskegee University, she was, Marilyn Mosby was studying uh, political science. And and look, I know, don't laugh. I know lots of people who study political science, really smart people. It's a great first degree. It's a great, uh, it, look, if you want to deal with public policy, um, you know, governing, things like that, political science isn't a bad degree, depending on where you go. We can guess because of a traditional black university, Tuskegee University, that her political science was uh, probably a lot like a uh, African-American studies, the struggle of African-Americans. We can guess that. Nick Mosby, the councilman in charge of the elected official in charge of the place, Freddie Gray's district, where 80% of all of Maryland's incarcerated males come from. Nick Mosby, he was studying electrical engineering there. And he wanted a career in politics, uh, and he was from Baltimore. He's he's an original Baltimore. And and but Marilyn Mosby is not from Baltimore originally. She's she's from Boston, super conservative Boston. So she went to law school in Boston, but they met they met at Tuskegee. She went on to law school in Boston, and they they got married. And then she spent six years in the Baltimore City Attorney's Office, the Baltimore, Baltimore City. And then he got elected. He ran for and got elected as the councilman, the West Baltimore neighborhood. Same, 
same neighborhood of the riots in his district. Now I'm going to remind you of something. The most dangerous place in Maryland is that district for police officers to work. The most, the 80% of incarcerated males come from that district where Nick Mosby is the councilman. Freddie Gray's district. This is where the riots were. Remember, he's the husband of the state attorney who will prosecute this case. Let me say this. This is why the police union is now filing for her to recuse herself. And obviously she should. It'd be silly if she didn't. Thank you, all all of the... Uh, the chat people, thank you so much for joining us. It's really cool. If you have any questions or pop them into chat, I'm glad to glad to field them. Little rolling Q and A. So he gets elected to councilman of the West Baltimore district, the most dangerous district, where the most people, most males are locked up from in the whole state of Maryland, eighty percent of them. He's the husband of the state attorney who is going to prosecute this case. No problem. You see, the police union wants her to recuse herself. And he, you want to know why? Do you not see a problem right there? Look, I'm I'm not going to throw rocks at Nick Mosby. He's done some good things. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna give, I'll just give you, a, you know, I'll give you four or five maybe. Look, as conservatives, we we need to be able to look at what during my interview uh, with my with my uh, state senate representative from my district. I I have to I have to say, you know, in many respects, the guys the guys conservative. He may be a D and he may be liberal and and a lot of social stuff, but fiscally, he's certainly conservative, and I like it. Well, this guy, you know, he's done some good things. I I can't take that from him. He initiated a liquor ordinance to keep kids out of liquor stores and away from adult drug, you know, paraphernalia, stuff like that. Liquor paraphernalia, you know, bottles. And... Now, let me say this. You have to have a freaking ordinance. You have to make it against the law for parents to keep their kids out of liquor stores? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Nick, are you kidding me? What do we have? A whole lot of people up in the whole lot of little kids up in the liquor store? Parents bringing in their kids? You gotta be kidding me, Nick. We gotta have a law. Another law. We gotta have another law. They keep kids. Little kids. Oh, wait a second. What am I thinking? I'm watching TV the other night. On my TV, I'm watching and I see people. Uh, breaking into buildings and setting places on fire and stealing ad- adult beverages, liquor, and also drugs from the CVS they burn, and also from sneakers and, and sporting goods, you know, in the neighborhood. And they're carrying babies. But we got to have a law to keep them out of the liquor establishments, the liquor stores. Oh, but now I get it. In other words, the parents are so stupid, dumb, such rotten parents, they take their children to riots. 
Let me say this. I'm a, I'm interrupt myself. I can't help my I can't help myself. I can't help myself. Ow. They're so afraid of the police, supposedly, but they riot with little kids on their hip. They riot with little toddlers tugging by. But they're so afraid of the police. Come on. All right, back to Nick Mosby. Remember who Nick Mosby is? He is the he is the husband. How much liquor? What do you mean? Elaborate a little bit. Tell me what you're asking me. Somebody on chat. So so he's the husband of Marilyn Mosby, state attorney. He is also the elected representative of the district that is responsible for 80% of Maryland's incarcerated males and also where Freddie Gray is from, where the riots were. He also secured a grant for the Safe Streets program. Now, let me say this. Grants. It's not magic money, folks. You understand what grants are. They're tax money that's set aside. From you and me, we we pay our money, and they have a little bit. They put in this little pile, and they call it a grant. Some companies will fund grants, some private companies. But, you know, corporations are bad. Mostly white people, obviously. Racist white people. I'm sorry, I forgot to include that. Safe streets program. Apparently, it's not working. I'm just saying. You know, uh, the city of Wilmington, Delaware, has a safe streets program. It's one of the most dangerous cities in America, Wilmington, Delaware, one of the murder capitals. little tiny city. What is there, 80,000 people? It's tiny. There's three counties in Delaware, Newcastle, Kent, and Sussex. The most populated is Newcastle, and it's the most northern. And Wilmington is a city in Newcastle County. Traditionally run by liberals for decades and decades and decades, liberal police, liberal mayors, blah, blah, blah. And this program, Safe Streets, that's been done there too, all at taxpayer expense. Didn't work there either. But hey, good try. Nick Mosby, husband of Marilyn Mosby, councilman for the district that is responsible for 80% of the incarcerated males in the whole state of Maryland. He is a constant presence in the inner city, especially in his district. He's involved in schools. He's in the schools all the time. He's anti-drug, blah, 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 blah. But look, you know, I'll tell you something. You talk about schools and being in schools, talking about anti-drugs, you know, He's he's a rock star. You want to emulate somebody, this is the guy. But he's clearly ineffective. The black mayor, clearly ineffective. The other black council people, clearly ineffective. Hey, somebody tell me, somebody research this. Maybe my crack researchers, some of these, maybe Jerry from PA, uh, Philly Bob, maybe one of you that's got the internet up. Uh, tell me the interview that was done on Fox where... Uh, you know, the the black uh, congressperson was there when the rioting was taking place. They're right in the center there. They're being interviewed and uh, on Fox News. And uh, he got a little tick, ticked off at the interviewer because uh, he was asking too many questions about, you know, look, do you see this? I see you're praying, and I, I'm, that's nice, but 
By the way, the number for the show is 646-595-4641. That's 646-595-4641. I want to see if it's this guy. Is it that guy? That was interviewed. He really got mad. You know, he's saying, well, what do you, come on, what do you, where are the police? Why are the police not here? You know, you have to agree that looting, this, that they're robbing and burning and all this stuff, this is, you know, this is, this is illegal, right? This is wrong, right? Well, he got ticked off. He's, let me, somebody tell me if that's him. Oh, it was my crack researcher has gotten back to me. He was interviewed on Fox. He was the man. He was mad. You know, they didn't know that he was the, you know, the the husband of the soon-to-be prosecutor in this case, state's attorney. Wow. He stated this was due to decades of the system, systematic racism. The man keeping him down. The man is a black lady. And every man before that has been liberal and mostly black. The man. This is the man. You wonder who the man is. Who's doing this? The man. The systematic racism, systemic, you're part of it, dude. We got a black... Chief of police, we've got almost every unit is headed by a black guy or a black woman. Everyone liberal. He's saying decades of systemic racism. Where you been at? Where you been at? Nick Mosby, he was mad. Oh, of course, that was before he and his wife came. They're going to save the day. They're there to come get justice for the black people of that district of Baltimore, Maryland, where 80% of the incarcerated, oh, I can hear it now. Oh, man, I've heard the whining. Here it goes. Here it go. Oh, here it go. Oh, here it go. You know, the reason why, let me tell you the reason why. The 80% of the people locked up in Baltimore in this district are black men, young black men, enslaved by the man. You know, it's because we've been locked up. We've been wrong. Beep, 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 beep. You know they can't talk on TV without getting beeped, you know, because they don't know. And and, and uh, the interviewer, I remember, kept saying, look, you, you can't cuss. You can't say that on television. I want to help you, but you can't cuss on TV. TV. On the TV. You know, that's the reason why, because y'all coming in and raises white police coming in here locking us up. We wasn't doing nothing. We weren't even doing nothing. And the police come in and smack us down, threw Freddie Gray all around, beat him up, broke his spine. They killed him. What? Nick Mosby, he's born and raised 
came back. You're the man. I don't know who the systemic racism is. I, you there? You're in control. You've been there a while. <laughs> when are you going to start being accountable? When does it start counting for you? Just like Barack. Yo, Barack, he's still blaming George Bush. Good lands. He's been in office two terms. Good lands. You know. You know, by all accounts, Marilyn Mosby, the state attorney, married to Nick Mosby. You know, Nick is the councilman in charge of the district in Baltimore, which is responsible for 80% of the incarcerated males in the whole state of Maryland. Marilyn Mosby, she looks like a perfect candidate for positive and balanced change in Baltimore. She's perfect for positive and balanced change in Baltimore. Jerry from PA, no, this wasn't the one with um, Geraldo or Geraldo. <laughs> so people kept calling him. It was, um, oh, Vitter. Was it Leland Vitter? I think Leland Vitter was the one doing the interview. And I'm and I'm just telling you, it was unreal because he was the most patient, calm dude. He's a young man. He was calm as a cucumber. You know, Geraldo came away from uh, from the uh, from that experience, changed a little bit. He's still weird liberal, but he. Uh, I tell you, let me say something real quick about Geraldo. Uh, Geraldo is a tough dude. He's in his sixties. He's in great physical shape. He's a little guy. He's a little tiny guy. I've talked to him. I've shaken his hand. He's very small, but he's in shape. And the dude knows how to fight. Trained boxer. He knows a lot of martial arts. He was in it to win it. He was in there. I mean, he was like, you know, telling him, look, come on. You keep cussing. Stop with your cussing. Represent yourself better. You know, you should be ashamed of yourself. He's saying he's in the midst of all of these people. And he's saying it. You got to hand it to him. He's got cojones. So anyway, Marilyn, you know, she looks like a perfect candidate. She's she's in for positive and balanced change in Baltimore. If you want positive and balanced change in Baltimore, vote Marilyn Mosby. And while you're at it, vote for Nick Mosby, her husband. He's the councilman in charge of the district, which accounts for 80% of incarcerated males in the entire state of Maryland for positive and balanced change in Baltimore. Okay, so so let me just, this is, the, Marilyn, she was raised, Marilyn Mosby, she's the one that's going to prosecute this case. She was raised by a single police officer. I know you're shocked. As soon as I got police officer out, people were like, what? Yeah, you know. She was raised by a single police officer mother in Boston. Her father, her grandfather, her uncles, all police officers. Now, let me say this. We banny about this term, single mother. We do. We we say it a lot, and, you know, uh, for whatever reason, we've made that a heroic term. We say single mother. Her father was in her life. He was a police officer. Her grandfather, also a police officer. Her uncle's police officers in Boston. Marilyn Mosby, the one that's prosecuting without a grand jury, 
Six police officers, three white, three black, one female black, was the highest ranked. She's the one doing that. Her father, her grandfather, her uncles, all police officers. Marilyn Mosby, the state attorney prosecuting the police officers for killing Freddie Gray. Prior to this, he just died while in police custody, but now all of a sudden she's saying that he, he they killed him. She reflects the police and the inner city black youth that she clearly identifies herself with. She verbally identifies, look, she said, our time is now. You remember the press release? You remember, remember on television where she promises justice? And this is what she says, our time is now. I'm not saying that. She's saying that. I did not say it. She said it. Just like the mayor, you know, we we, we videotape. We don't videotape. We digitally record stuff nowadays. And the mayor said some stuff talking about give give them room to destroy. Give them room to destroy. You know, let them let them tear stuff up. Oh, I didn't say that. And you're twisting my words. No, we're not. But she says our time is now to the black youth of Baltimore. She's the state attorney. But she's saying to the black youth now. These are the same people who a day or two days before were breaking into businesses, robbing them, stealing everything from them, and then destroying them, setting them on fire in their own community. Now she's aligning herself with those same people in Baltimore, and they're saying, she's saying, our time is now. She promises justice, and she says, our time is now. Okay. She's also the mother of two daughters. Mother of two daughters. She got children. Mother of two daughters. She said, you're at the forefront of a movement. Our time is now. You're at the forefront of a movement. Our time. Is now. She's got two kids. She decided to go into law when she was i think uh she she just she made the decision to go into law at 14 she had a 17-year-old cousin and the cousin who who uh by her own account was quite frankly uh, for all intents and purposes, this is how she described it. By the way, thank you, Jerry, from Pennsylvania. Um, this is from 
Fox News Insider. Uh, Leland Vittert gives an inside look at covering the Baltimore protests. Vittert spoke to Howard Kurtz on Media Buzz from Baltimore about what it's been like reporting on the tense situation in the city. Vittert said that one thing he found interesting during the riots was that the police were terrified of doing their jobs, apparently because Mayor Stephanie Rawlings Blake held them back. The idea that the police were outnumbered and outflanked and outgunned is lunacy, Vittert said. We saw their weapons. We saw how much non-lethal force they had. And it seemed as though they had just been told time and time again, and this is what a reporting found out, to just stand down, to let it happen. Vittert said that one of the reasons the violence and lawlessness went on for so long, since once the police showed up, they meant business, things quickly quieted down. He said that he picked up on the anti-media sentiment in the crowd, but that most people were open to talking to the media if they were treated with respect. As for his run-ins, Run-in with Rawlings, Blake, and Al Sharpton on their way to a press conference. Vittert said that the mayor had every opportunity to answer his questions, but she just stood silently by. Thank you, Jerry, from PA. That's awesome. That's awesome. I really appreciate that. I got the best listeners in the book, man. Best listeners in, in radio. I really do. You guys are plugged in and engaged. I love that. Our time is now. You guys are on the forefront. Of a movement. So she goes into the law at 14 after her 17-year-old cousin, who was like a brother. He was shot by another 17-year-old who mistook him for a drug dealer in the inner city neighborhood. She says, I wanted to know how could we have gotten to that where a 17-year-old, how could we have gotten to that 17-year-old and stop him before he picked up that gun? Yeah, the gun was the problem. An illegal gun in the hands of an illegal person. But the guns are the problem. If we just take away the guns. She says that inspired me to become a prosecutor. So that's what inspired her to become a prosecutor? Is there something I'm missing here? A prosecutor? That's her best way of helping Shepard's 17-year-olds by becoming a prosecutor? Somebody help me. What am I missing here? So Mosby, she's 35 years old. She's been on the job for four months. And let me tell you something. She's a national celebrity. Very big time public figure now. She is, she is, she is all over the map. Fusion calls her America's, I'm quoting, America's favorite prosecutor. And the Huffington Post calls her and object, this is them, I'm quoting them. Huffington Post, I'm quoting them. Don't get mad at me, y'all. Huffington Post calls her an objectively badass attorney. That's what she said. That's what they said. An objectively badass attorney. Okay. Okay. Her 20,000 and growing exponentially Twitter fans, by the way, are they're tweeting uh, Mosby for mayor. At Marilyn Mosby ESQ. This is this is this is her. Okay, she's this is her description. This is what Marilyn Mosby at Marilyn Mosby Esquire. You can check for yourself. This is what she describes herself, her Twitter description for herself. Mom, wife, and state's attorney for Baltimore City. Committed to applying justice equally and how politically correct can one power couple get? She wants us to see her first as a wife and a mother. 
She's for positive and balanced change in Baltimore. She's for positive and balanced change in Baltimore. She's a wife. She's a mother. She's the state's attorney for Baltimore City. She wants to apply justice equally, and she wants us to see her first as a wife and a mother. You know what that is? Let me tell you what that is. Under other circumstances, you know what that is? That's a conservative. <laughs> That's a conservative. Look, she's she's earned unquestioned objectivity and and credibility for us to believe that she's objective to decide the fate of six police officers. Why? Because she comes from a family of police officers. Well, who's going to question that? That's the first thing she's going to say. Well, I'm 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 come from police officers from Boston. I was raised by a single mom. She was a police officer. My dad was a well, I don't know. He's, my mom's a single mom, so she was she's a hero and and a police officer also. So don't say anything bad about me, but um, you know, my dad was a police officer, and my uncles and my grandfather, yeah, we're all police officers. So I I love police. Did you know I became a police I became a prosecutor because when I was 14 my 17-year-old almost like a brother cousin was killed by a guy who mistaked him for a drug dealer and everything and if I could have just gotten to him before he picked up that gun that bad bad gun Let's talk about Freddie Gray, all right? I'm wearing it out on on old Nick and Marilyn Mosby. Freddie Gray was 25 years old. He had 20, more than 20, criminal cases against him in Baltimore. There were five active cases at the time of his death. Folks, since 2009, he was in and out of prison. Not in and out of being, you know, in county lockup or city lockup, but in and out of prison since 2009. All, you know, mostly drug cases. In February of 2009, he was sentenced to four years in prison. 2010, 2011, 2013, 2014. Right? That's four years. Should have been in 2014. So he was paroled after only two years. And then in 2013, he was put back in jail. So the, the state attorney, Mosby, has stated that the officers failed to establish probable cause on their arrest. Now, you've all heard the talk of a switchblade. Now, let me just say this. A switchblade in Maryland is illegal. It is also illegal for a person prohibited. In other words, if you have a felony conviction, you are a person prohibited. You know, that's, you, you, you can't have a weapon. You can't have a knife, and you darn sure can't have an illegal switchblade. So so there's some sketchy sketchy talk here. Because for anybody else a switchblade would be illegal, but all of a sudden now it's not illegal. But for him, it's a switchblade which is illegal in Maryland. And and he was a person prohibited. So he can, he can't have a knife at all. Can't have a deadly weapon. He cannot be in possession of a deadly weapon. No deadly weapon for you. 
So this is what the reports are. This is what the reports are. She's saying that the officers, the six officers, failed to establish probable cause in their arrest. But here's the thing. The reports of the incident say it began with officers seeing and making eye contact with Freddie Gray and another man. Made eye contact with him, and they both fled. And the officers chased him, of course. And, uh, you know, I've seen all the hashtags, running while black is not illegal, hashtag RWB. Uh, I, I, I've, I've heard them all say, you, look, you, we're allowed to run from police. We're not... Look, we don't. He wasn't doing. He wasn't doing anything wrong. He had five active cases. You know, five active cases. A lot of people said, "Well, they didn't know. They didn't know that." So that so so they was just chasing him because he was a black man. They want to imprisonate him. They wanted to imprisonate him, so they chase him down. They would do it. They would. They was. They was trying to penitentiarize him, and he ran because you know police beat on people, black people only black people. So he ran. That's legal. Well, actually, there's a little more to it than that. That alone is legally enough to arrest him. So, so anyway, when this is from the AP, by the way, when police spotted Freddie Gray, and he took off running through his Baltimore neighborhood, let me just say. Again, in case you're just joining us, 80% of all of the black, uh, 80% of all the males incarcerated in Maryland, the whole state of Maryland, come from Nick Mosby's district. Marilyn Mosby, the 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 state uh, prosecu- state attorney for Baltimore City, her husband Nick Mosby is the councilman for that district. 80% come from there. It is a crime-ridden neighborhood. It's not riddled by police beating on people and dragging them off. If it was, don't you think crime would go down? If the police are beating up all the bad guys, don't you think crime would go down? Don't you think they'd be a little bit afraid? A little bit? Just a little? They didn't seem afraid at the riots, I'm just saying. They did not seem to be afraid. Especially when, did you see the video of them chasing down the police officer in the car? I mean, they saw him come down the street, and they all, en masse, ran after him. Chased him down. Supposedly, they're afraid of these, these racist white cops. So the officers... They see him running through this crime, drug, prostitution. A guy, they know who he was. Now, they said they knew who he was. People say, well, you didn't know who he was. They knew who he was. They knew he was a criminal. They knew he had active warrants. They see him with a knife. There were other reports of him with a knife, a switchblade knife. They made a split-second decision to chase after the dude. And what did they do? They set in motion his death in custody. While in custody, they didn't kill him. And the AP says that them doing this caused rioting in the streets. Now, 
and I'll elaborate on this a little bit. Fleeing from the police by itself, just running from the police by itself, is not illegal in America. It's not. The United States Supreme Court, they've made it clear that in safe neighborhoods, people not suspected of criminal activity, they can ignore a police officer. Police officer approaches them. You can just walk away. Listen, I was in an Apple store, uh, and I won't say the state and the city, but I was in an Apple store, and um, there was some imprinting. I generally carry very large guns. And the police officer, you know, they had like four police officers there uh, kind of guarding the store. And a state trooper was there, and he looks and he sees. And he, he doesn't see the gun. He just sees what appears to be imprinting. He walks up to me, and he asks me uh, very politely, you know, sir, uh, I'm so-and-so from Delaware State Police. Um, well, I told you where it was. And uh, are you are you carrying a gun? Well, yes, I am. But you know what? He didn't even have the legal right to ask me that. My Second Amendment tells me that I can absolutely do it. I'm not thought of doing a crime. I, I'm a customer there. I'm not bothering anybody. I'm, doing, I'm not acting weird. There's nothing weird. Well, there's a lot weird about me, but that's not it. And he asked me. He doesn't have a right to ask me. He has no constitutional right to ask me. Not suspected of a crime. I'm in a safe area, safe neighborhood. Heck, there's four or five police officers there. I could have walked away and not answered his question, but I answered his question because I'm polite and I wanted to help him. But in safe neighborhoods, you can walk away. But courts, they've definitely set a different standard for places where street crime is common. Street crime is common. Let me say this. This is important to know. They ruled that police can chase, stop, and frisk people. Uh, you got to hear this. The courts have ruled that police can stop, they can chase, stop, and frisk people if their location contributes to a suspicion of criminal activity. Is that confusing to you? That's pretty clear. You remember what I told you about this neighborhood. 80% of all males incarcerated in the entire state of Maryland come from this district. So we know we're not dealing with just a regular old day neighborhood. We We know we're not dealing with that. This, by every account, was a drug ridden area. By the way, Freddie Gray had five active drug-related cases pending. We also know by the toxicology report that he was under the influence of drugs. He was high. I wish I was high. He was high. He was under the influence of drugs and alcohol. Now, Freddie Gray, what did he die of? He died of a spinal cord injury, which he sustained while in the van, best we know. He was handcuffed. And he was ankle shackled. He wasn't in a seatbelt. Now, people say, they purposely threw him in there all hard and everything. And um, they drove like crazy, bouncing him around, did a rough drive on him. 
by the way, it's not illegal. By the way, the, the other prisoner that was in the in the van, he said they were very normal. They drove very normal. There was nothing odd about how they drove. But it is not illegal in a police prisoner transport van like that. They call it a bus. If you have an extremely unruly prisoner thrashing around because they're segmented, the areas are segmented in it, there's only so far they can go. Uh, if he's if it's going to cause them more injury or it's going to cause police injury, once he's handcuffed and he's ankle shackled, you put him in the van. If he's going to get hurt worse or a police officer's going to get hurt worse, you just put him in the van and go. There's segregated areas in the van. So there were six van stops, and that's not unusual. I hear a lot of stuff. Well, they well they stopped. They stopped. I read it on the news. They stopped six times. There was mystery stops in areas that were abandoned houses and and desolate areas, folks. It's estimated between forty nine and fifty nine thousand houses, dwellings in, in in the city of Baltimore are abandoned. I've been in Baltimore. I've been in these areas. And it's block after block after block of abandoned places. Who lives in them? Drug dealers, prostitutes, drug addicts, criminals. It's not unusual. You're going by where another police officer has arrested somebody. The van goes by and picks them up, and then they take them all back. It's not, it's not strange. It's not strange. The prisoner, he testified that he had the impression that Freddie Gray was thrashing himself about and that he this is what he said that he was intent look i feel like he was intentionally trying to injure himself this is not sean greener saying this this is not dr sean this is not the ninja pastor this is freddie freddie gray's co-prisoner he wasn't didn't have anything to do with him but he was in the van he was right there and he said look the dude was thrashing himself about and it looked to me and it sounded to me like he was trying to hurt himself now, you need to hear this. Nobody has alleged that any officer assaulted Freddie Gray. Nobody. But you would think, with the riots, that, that they were saying Freddie Gray was murdered by police. Police report is very clear. There's nothing odd or sketchy about the police report. They talked, they all corroborated. All their stories corroborated. The sergeant uh, in charge of this situation is a black female sergeant. Black female sergeant. Is she the man? Well, the man, so, somebody keeps telling me about the man. Who is this man? Because in Baltimore, the man are black people, liberal black people. The person in charge of this is a black female, sergeant. She's been charged too. But nobody, nobody in any of this process has said that, that Freddie Gray was assaulted by any police officer. Nobody's saying that. The media online, they're emphasizing that, that Freddie had a very rough childhood. Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. He was super poor, had a heroin addict, etc. 
single mom. Oh, but she was a hero. Poor thing, she was fighting drugs. She was a hero. Wait a second. She had so many children that Freddie Gray did not know how many siblings he has. But let me let me say that again. He was born into poverty, had a heroin addict single mom, who had so many children by so many different fathers, none of whom had anything to do with any of their kids. None of them contributed. None of them paid any child support. Freddie Gray didn't know how many siblings he had. Don't you think that maybe that could be more of a problem in this Baltimore neighborhood that's responsible as a district in one city in Maryland? 80% of the incarcerated males come from this neighborhood. Could that be more of a problem? Moms has more kids than Freddie even knows about. Doesn't even know his siblings. Doesn't have any idea how many he has. All by fathers that aren't involved. All different fathers. She's a heroin addict. She's getting aid and assistance. And all the stuff. I don't think racist cops are your problem, folks. I don't think that's your issue. Well, but here's one thing. We Oh, I knew we had to find something that was making him a victim. One thing they do know is that the slum apartment where he grew up had lead paint on the trim, on the wood trim. And he and his siblings, we were exposed to that. So somebody got to pay. You know, Baltimore's the number one city in the entire United States for lead paint settlements. There's there's attorneys there in Baltimore. That's all they do is lead paint. Because everybody knows there's a big fund. Freddie's mom, she won a court settlement with the landlord over this and the squalid conditions of the apartment complex. Let me tell you, if, if you pay just next to nothing or nothing, and you tear up where you live, it's going to be squalid. If you care for where you live, you take care of it, you keep it clean. I bet the landlord doesn't have a problem fixing a leaky faucet if you're not tearing the place up. I, I bet the landlord doesn't mind sending a repair person over to fix this or that or scraping off the paint or doing whatever else needs to be done. He probably didn't even know, for Pete's sake. I'm not I'm not absolving him of any responsibility, but the bo- bottom line is, is have you been to these places? Because I have, and they tear their own place up. You saw what they did. They burnt their own neighborhood down. So Freddie's mom, she wins a court settlement with the landlord over this and all the other issues with the apartment complex. Freddie Gray was in special ed classes. And really what the implication is with this guy is he's not only a drug addict and a criminal, but the guy just wasn't right in his head. You know. Just wasn't right in his head. You know why he wasn't right in his head, of course. This poor guy, Freddie Gray, five active criminal cases, felonies, 20-plus violations on his rap sheet, many of them felonies. 
been incarcerated a whole bunch of times. Poor, poor guy. But you know who was at fault. You know who was at fault. Of course. It was the rich white apartment owner. Look, it wasn't the black mayor. The liberal mayors going back decades, the liberal police chiefs going back decades, the liberal council people going back decades. It certainly wasn't the fault of Nick Mosby, husband of Marilyn Mosby. It's not their fault, even though they're right there. It wasn't the black administrative leaders of the schools in Baltimore. No. It was because of the rich white apartment owner, silly. Bingo. Rich white apartment owner. That's his fault. Let's blame him. Of course, it's not the fault of his mom, who had so many kids, with so many different men, who weren't in the picture, who weren't supportive of her and the kids. So many kids and so many dads that Freddie didn't even know who his siblings were or were not. Man. Couldn't possibly be. Of course it's the rich white guy's fault. Of course. Mom was so busy sticking a needle in her arm and not having sex with dudes from the neighborhood. She didn't use that free birth control we keep handing out. Planned Parenthood somehow or another. Failing on the job. It's the rich white guy's fault. This boy, Freddie Gray, tried to he's trying to ganaw on the painted woodwork. He's just going ganaw, ganaw, ganaw. This paint is good. Of course. Of course it's not the kid's fault. Of course it's not Freddie Gray's fault. Of course it's not his mother, his heroin-addicted tramp who runs around bedding every dude in the neighborhood. Of course not. It's not Nick Mosby's fault. The black councilman or the black... Please, Chief, it's the white guy, the rich white guy. It's the rich white guy's fault that the kid decided to gnaw on the painted woodwork. Poor kid. I feel bad for him. Not. Well, here's something you'd love to know. GoFundMe, you know this GoFundMe business that uh, you, you raise money and people contribute. You put out a plea and there's a certain amount of time and they fundraise, you set a target, and you know if you hit the target, then the money gets distributed. According to the New York Times, uh, I think it's the New York Times, GoFundMe said the donations page for the officers uh, violated its ban. What happened was, what had happened was, at that particular time, ATPT, what happened was GoFundMe yanked the online fundraiser for these six police officers. They yanked it. And what they said was the donations page for the officers violated its ban on fundraising in defense of formal charges or claims of heinous crimes, violent, hateful, or discriminatory acts. Now, Kelsey Little, she's the GoFundMe spokeswoman. She explained to the Baltimore Sun that the website cannot be used to benefit those who are charged with serious violations of the law. 
And I quote, the campaign clearly stated that the money raised would be used to assist the officers with their legal fees, which is a direct violation of GoFundMe's terms. Direct. Direct. So direct quote. Campaign clearly states that when the money raised will be used to assist the officers with their legal fees, which is a direct violation of GoFundMe's terms. That's what she told the paper. Kelsey Little. But look, not all the contributions were going to be used for covering legal costs. Look, the, the police union said that the fundraising, they said on the fundraising page, the money being raised will be used to assist the six suspended officers with their living expenses, as well as to help defray legal expenses. Why do they need help defraying legal expenses? Because they've been hung out to dry. They've been hung out to dry. Hung out to dry. They're not getting help. They're not being defended. They're not being represented. Now, Nero and White remain suspended with pay, according to Captain Eric Kowalczyk. He's a spokesman for the Baltimore City Police Department. The other four police officers are charged. Uh, the other four, four police officers charged are suspended without pay. So last last month, let's look at GoFundMe just real quick. Last month, GoFundMe yanked the fundraising sites of two Christian owned businesses that refused to serve gay weddings. Now, they didn't they, they did not refuse to serve, don't get it twisted. They didn't refuse to serve gay people, good regular clients. They just said, "Look, we can't do your reception for your gay wedding. We're Christians. We're we're not into that. I mean, we can give you food, but we we can't because at that point we feel like we're we're condoning it. They were against it. They're allowed to be Apparently not. But GoFundMe, they yanked those fundraising sites. So what crime did the Christians commit? Can some can anybody tell me? What crime? Oh yeah, that's right. They were both white. They were rich white racist business owners, bigoted bigot business owners. Worst of all, of course. They were all Christians, conservative Christians. So, you know, we got to shut those Christians up. America, and apparently South Africa, and Belgium, and Switzerland, and Germany, and all the other places listening right now. Good lands. So you're telling me they are the problem. Apparently, white people get raised up, go to school, they come home, they participate in sports, they do what they're supposed to do, they don't loot, they don't rob, they go into business, they go to church on Sunday, they're Christians or Jews, you know, they're the problem. They are the problem. Are you kidding me? So I'm the problem? So 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 I should be. So okay, uh after my car crash, one of our friends, I don't think it was GoFundMe, I don't know what it was. It was one of these types of things. Felt bad for us because she knew she was one of our employees. She knew 
what kind of pickle we were in. Self-employed. I drove 80 to 90% of the income for the family. All of a sudden, I can't work. We didn't know at the time, but ever. Totally disabled. The income stopped the day of the crash. Gone. Done. Over. So she wanted, we didn't even know she did this. She told us, she asked us, you know, I did this. Is this okay with you? I don't remember. I was out of it, so I don't know. But my family, my immediate family said, wow, that's amazing. My immediate friends, my close friends, my dear friends, they were glad. They helped. Well, it wasn't much money. I, I don't remember how much it was, but I don't even think it was $5,000. But still, I was grateful to everybody that did give. I didn't know this until much later. Never taken anything from anybody in my lifetime. What if they found out who I am? Conservative guy. For a lot of things, but against some things. Would they have yanked it? Listen, blue lives matter. You know, the thin blue line. I have a watch on. If you go to, I don't know if it's on Facebook. Maybe it is on Facebook. Yeah, it is on Facebook. Uh, I have a, a, a picture of myself with a watch. It's an Invicta watch. I'm not doing an ad for Invicta. I'm talking actually to the back office, though, of uh, corporate there in Invicta because they created this watch called the thin blue line. It, it is an amazing looking watch. If you look at it, it's not very expensive, actually. And is my way of showing support for my brothers and sisters on the police department. I was a police officer, not when I was in the crash, but I had been a police officer before years ago. And my brothers and sisters, you know, the people I know, they're they're amazing people, amazing human beings. I wouldn't be a police officer right now for all the tea in China, all the money in the world, I would not do it. And you think I would serve in some place like Baltimore, Maryland, especially this district? I said, I did a post, and, and uh, it, it didn't go viral, but it got a lot of activity, where I said, look, police officers, if you're near retirement, put in your papers and move out of Baltimore. Put in your Retire. In mass. There's got to be four or 500 police officers, senior police officers, right now who could pull, the, pull their ticket. Go ahead and do it. You young people, start looking for other jobs. I happen to know a young man I kind of mentored a little bit. He was a Baltimore City police officer for about 10 minutes, and then he got a job in, in more in the area of his hometown. said it was a horrible place to work. Horrible place. Horrible people. Horrible place. Look, I know for a fact Baltimore City Police Department has a lot of problems. There's no way in this world I would be a police officer. What if? Those police officers, instead of retreating, they went back to the uh, went back to the district office, the police patrol office, and they said, "I'm done. I'm done. We don't have the support of our mayor. She wants us to go get hit with rocks and bottles. Hundreds of police officers injured. Some of them serious injuries. Don't shoot back. Don't hit back. Some of them on film are seen throwing rocks back at the." Uh, at the rioters, and they're getting in trouble. The rioters aren't getting in trouble. They are. The police officers for throwing rocks back, trying to defend themselves. You go back, 
turn in your badge, turn in your gun, walk away. You know why they don't do it? They're kind of stuck now. They have financial obligations. They can't, they can't, lots of good police officers. They just can't leave. They got to find something else. What if, let's say 30% of the police department said, we're done. We're done. Screw all y'all. I did my best. And all you did was poop on me. (laughs) I would not be a police officer there for all the money in the world. I wouldn't be one in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania either. To close out the show, Godspeed and God bless you. The family of the NYPD officer killed. I am, I am, we at this show, we are terribly sorry for the loss of NYPD officer, 25-year-old Brian Moore. Killed, murdered by Demetrius Blackwell. We stand with you. Folks, you better have a plan. Next week, I'm going to tell you what a good plan might consist of. Might be worth you listening in, telling your friends. Join us next time for The Collision of Faith and Politics. And please follow this show at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash The Ninja Pastor. And follow Dr. Sean on Twitter at The Ninja Pastor. And on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash God in Country Radio. And at www. DrSeanGreener.com In the meantime, Dr. Sean will be fighting for you and for this great country. Thank you for joining in this fight.